Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts carol g juan gabriel christina aguilera what do these three have in common you mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Book of Joe podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. Well, welcome back to the Book of Joe podcast, and now the second half of the baseball season. It's me, Tom Verducci, with my good buddy, Joe Madden. Uh, Joe, how was your all-star break? Did you catch any of the game? I did. I watched, um, I think, one or two rounds of the uh, Home Run Derby, then I just passed out, long day, and then I did watch uh, the game up until in the latter part. That was the day of our golf tournament, the Try Not to Suck in the Valley Golf Tournament here at the Valley Country Club. So it was great. And uh, mistakenly, I guess, during my uh, opening remarks, I invited everybody over my house afterwards, if you'd like to have a beer and watch the game. And a lot of people took me up on that. So it was Wow. Really like, did you have enough beer? <laughs> uh, we did. We have, like, I got the keg rater working now, and we had a nice uh, half of uh, Corona Premier. Everybody loved it. Watched the game. They eventually, everybody left, and I just passed out. So I didn't see the rest of that. But it was a great day. Enjoy the game. Uh, I did enjoy the game. Um, I like a lot of what I'm seeing. So it was, it was a very positive day. Party at Joe's. I love it. <laughs> it's going to happen again next year, folks. Find out when the Try Not to Suck in the Valley golf tournament is. End up at my pad afterwards. That's awesome. Well, Joe, you know that it's kind of uh, just it's a mental and physical break, the all-star break for mostly everybody. It's such a long season. Um, it, it's kind of like making the turn after nine holes, right? You get a fresh start. If things are going good, you, you feel refreshed. If things are going bad, well, you need that kind of recalibration to, to start anew. 
So it's a good time to take stock of the season. And what I want to do is talk to you about something that you know really well about, and that is when you take a losing team and make that team a winner. So we're at that point in the season where we've got some teams coming off losing seasons that I believe now are in that position where they believe that they can win and they know that they can win rather than just kind of, you know, thinking it might happen for them. It's happened. I'm talking about the Marlins, the Rangers, the D-backs, and the Reds. And we're going to get into those teams and, and decide whether they're for real or not. First off, Joe, I want to give you some numbers here. We talk about trends, all right? If I gave you a trend stat in baseball that held true for 17 years and 27 the last 28 years, you'd say that's a pretty big sample size, right? It's pretty solid. Yeah, so what I'm talking about is teams that have a losing record one year and they show up in the postseason the next year. That's how many times it's happened since we've had the wild card, folks. Essentially, every year, 27 out of 28 years, we've had at least one, I call them turnaround teams, in the postseason. And in those 28 years, we've had 64 such teams. So that's an average of slightly more than two per year. So this is what where the game is. You can turn things around quickly. And on that list of 64 turnaround teams, Joe Madden has two of those. 2008 Rays, they came off of 66 and 96 and won the pennant. The 2015 Cubs coming off 17, 73 and 89 and, and had a nice run in the postseason. Of course, won the World Series next year. So my question for you, Joe, is when you have a team like this and it, you're not coming off any kind of winning culture. You're trying to establish it. At this point of the next season, did you feel like you had things in place that those teams not only thought that they were good, but they knew they were good? Yeah, I mean, one of the my Wayne Dyer background, uh, he had a book out there, If You Believe It, You'll See It. And I really try to get the guys to understand that it's not going to happen unless we believe it's going to happen. It's just almost like the Ted Lasso with the believe over the door. Believe it and you'll see it. Um, that's number one. And I really did uh, pound on that. And yeah, what happens is eventually you get to that point where um, you're playing better baseball. There's a believability about it. And all of a sudden momentum grabs you and it just keeps you going in that direction. The 2008 Rays, I mean, we've talked about this. Um, we we're going pretty good. And I was concerned that we're getting a little bit full of ourselves after having never done anything. And that's when I had that one uh, kind of a volcanic meeting in, in Kansas City after a win. And because um, I really felt there was a threat of it slipping away at that point, because if you've never done it before and you get a group of guys, a lot of young guys, then this could they get uh, you put, you know, you, you put things ahead of yourself just a little bit. And you can't do that. So that was I was always really aware of that. So that team in 2008 was really good. I mean, Andrew made some wonderful moves in that offseason. And we came back, we're playing wonderfully, but I was concerned and that's where I went nuts. And I really felt it was necessary to, to really have these guys understand we really haven't done anything yet. It's nice what we're doing, but so uh, that was the message there. And then 2015, that was an interesting year because I don't think that got uh, spoken about enough. Uh, what happened there, if I think the record, I'm pretty certain our record was right around 500 up until almost August. And uh, eventually, you know, we had been uh, considering putting Addison Russell at shortstop to improve our defense and getting Starlin over at second base and just really trying to utilize his bat. The, the Really, the thing about that year was, I mean, seriously, Starlin Castro, the way he did that and how he accepted that really permitted this thing to flow. 
And what happened there was we just caught, we caught a wave. We caught a wave, and I was really cognizant in the first half of that year to not burn anybody out, um, you know, in spite of the record the previous year when everybody thought of that group. I, I felt to really take care of this group and then kind of like turn them loose. But we had that one uh, kind of linchpin there, getting Addy at shortstop and moving Starlin off of it. All of a sudden really secured our defense. Our pitching was good. And then the attitude just blossomed from there. So two different groups completely. Uh, one, uh, that that race group was really talented. It was more talented than that Cubs group in 15. And the 15 needed to be nurtured and little tweaks had to occur towards the middle end of the season. And we did it. And eventually these guys started to believe too. It's about believability, man. If you don't believe it, you can't get it done. Well, I'm glad you brought up the point that with that 15 Cubs team, you know, you, you didn't grind that team out from day one, a youngest team, and, and it proved out. And actually looking at the course of your career, your teams traditionally played much better in the second half of the season. You got better as the season went on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's instructive as we talk about, and we'll go through four teams now, uh, as we talk about teams weathering the season, if you will. First half is just that. It's a first half. Do you have what it takes to win the marathon? So there are four teams right now who start the second half holding a playoff spot who had losing records last year. And we're going to go through these teams. And I'll go, we'll go through them in their greatest odds that they have of, of getting into the playoffs. And that's starting with the Texas Rangers. Texas Rangers last year were 68-94. and 94. They had an all-time terrible record in one-run games. Their bullpen was awful. They changed managers. We've got Bruce Bochy at the helm here. And by the way, looking at these teams, I call them, again, turnaround teams. Of those 64 teams that turned around, 24 of them, almost 40%, changed managers. And that includes you, Joe, with the 15 Cubs. So managers, yeah, they make a difference. And I got to believe, Joe, that Bruce Bochy has made a difference with this group. I, I know they added Nathan Avaldi, Andrew Heaney, um, DeGrom, who is basically lost for the year at this point. But um, let's start with the Texas Rangers and the job that Bruce Bochy has done. Yeah, and it, and it is true. And there, There's a, a great impact can't be made by a manager. I know that's kind of uh, minimized at some points um, in today's game, but it's true. Um, I, I've said it, and I and I know this. I mean, if I'm in the other dugout and I'm looking across the field and Boach is over there, eh, it's just a different – you have really got to be on top of what's going on. He's not going to miss a thing. Um, he's not afraid to take chances. He's not afraid to lose, which is really important. When you get somebody on the other side that's not afraid of losing, man, that's a dangerous, dangerous person to be in charge of that team because they'll try anything at any time. And they're not worried about answering tough questions afterwards. And that's where Boach is at. And with that, you have the players, and I've spoken about this. I mean, it's weird. Like during the course of a game, if something starts going on, if I permitted myself to look away from the field, just look into the dugout, all eyes are on you. The guys are looking at you all the time. People have brought that to my attention because I rarely look back in the dugout. But my point is when things get hot, everybody looks at the manager. So Boach, I, I think I, I know. If I'm a player, if I'm looking down the end of the dugout and there's Boach down at the end of the dugout, I feel pretty good about this. I feel like he's got his uh, a handle on it. He knows what he wants to do next. It's not uh, being scripted in some way that it's uh, new or unusual to him. And that's kind of comforting, I think. So uh, that's part of it. I, I know his the way he converses. He's, uh, 
Yeah, it's like having John Wayne be your manager, kind of. You know, this is a, the, the way he is. A, he's a very strong person, and this track record speaks for itself. So all these little, the little nuance of all of this really uh, is connected in there somehow. So it, it goes beyond so many different things. It's the personality, it's the experience, it's the wisdom of Bruce Bochy that these players have bought into, and that's a big part of the turnaround. Yeah, I like everything they've done in Texas, even you know beyond Bochy. you got to love him, future Hall of Fame manager. Uh, Chris Young running that organization has done a great job, brought in Mike Maddox as the pitching coach. Um, Joe, you'll love this. I go to their spring training this year, and the first thing I noticed is they had those old school strings set up i remember going back to the old dodgers camp in vero beach yeah um the strings at the bottom of the strike zone established down and chris young's point was you know what yeah the game a lot of the game now is throwing fastballs up in the zone but you need to establish down to work up Mm -hmm. uh so i love what they do he has a lot of former players with him as advisors michael young and a lot of other guys um they just have a good vibe about them um the, the nitty gritty details of the team, I don't worry about them, Joe. They're number one in the world in, in offense, scoring almost six runs per game. Their starting pitchers are 37 and 20. That's tied with the Braves for the most wins. And they have the second most innings of any rotation in the major league. So they're getting length from their starting pitchers. So you don't worry about working uh, the bullpen too much. They added a role to Chapman already. Maybe they add another arm in that bullpen. I think they're rock solid, Joe. I so so much respect for the Houston Astros. Texas starts out seven games up in the AL West. Um, whether it's the division, and I'm not ruling out the Astros by any means, or wild card, I've got the Texas Rangers in the postseason. Yeah, well, you're talking. I'm, first of all, CY Chris Young, big fan. He and I got to be uh, pretty good friends during the uh, when I first got to the Angels during the uh, pandemic. We spoke a lot, and uh, this guy really morphs uh, old and new very well. He is. Uh, he is pretty much in school. He's with the school of what's happening now, and I love him for that. Um, so, yes, I totally agree with that assessment right there. And you spoke about there the um, they lead uh, the start they lead in number of wins by starting pitching group and number of innings. That speaks to uh, I, exactly Boach because he's going to let him out there a little bit longer. He's not just going to um, go by a formula where the third time through is necessarily the time to take somebody out. When you do that, your bullpen's automatically going to get better if your starters give you more innings. And uh, I, it's just uh, everything we've talked about this too is interconnected in the game. And so your whole pitching staff is interconnected and it begins with your starting staff. And then you hopefully have to use less uh, pitchers during the course of the year. You get more innings out of your starters and everybody else pitches better. So it's no coincidence with all that. Um, I'm certain that Boach has a lot to do with that in conjunction with CY and, of course, Maddox. That's a, that's a nice trio right there. So we're going to take a quick break here. And Joe, you can use the break to think about this question. Do you believe in the Miami Marlins? Be right back. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it. 
so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Book of Joe today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Book of Joe. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Juan Gabriel. Juan Gis. Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Extina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening. All right, Joe, talk about turnaround teams. I don't think there's been a bigger surprise than the Miami Marlins who sit at the all-star break with, I can't believe this, the second best record in the National League. Only the Braves have a better record than the Marlins. 14 games over 500 for a team that last year lost 93 games. So I, I, I got to admit, I'm on the fence. I'm not sold yet. Are you sold on the Marlins? Well, I, I'm sold on what I've seen at this point. I mean, it would, uh, kind of what we talked about earlier, uh, a bunch of young guys and how they react to the success to this point. Uh, although they have some nice veterans over there too, including like uh, we talk about Schumacher. I mean, he's done a really nice job and I've had such – I don't know him well, but I've had other guys that had played with him in the past that speak so highly of him. So I'm really eager and happy for his success. Um, I, they could pitch, man. They could pitch. Uh, they're, they're leadoff hitter, man. I, there's something to that. I mean, the guy, every time he swings the bat, the ball falls in the outfield grass. Uh, I love what Georgie Soler's doing. Georgie's really found a place right there. Uh, and then and the, the rest of the cast, I mean, they... Uh, quietly, I mean, they, 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 it's not like a group of superstars, but they play the game well. It just seems like um, they're playing baseball properly. 
but when you pitch it like they can, um, and they definitely, I think they have enough hitting to survive it. I because of the they got some speed. Um, they they they're they're aggressive. They're assertive. They're they do have fun. It appears. Um, yeah, I mean it's going to be crucial. Like what is uh, what is this July thirteenth? Let's just see where they're at on August first. I mean that's to me is like a big date uh, to figure out if you actually got something going on or not. Because I know with the Cubbies, I talked about that too. The year in fifteen, we right around the beginning of August, we really found our footing and really took off at that point. So let's just give it a couple more weeks. I think they're going to tell us pretty quickly, but. Um, they seem to be pretty solid, and I, and I like good pitching all the time. Yeah, well, you hit it. I mean, at the top of the lineup with Luis Oraiz leading off and just spraying hits all over the field and Jorge Soler giving power, it's a much better offensive team than they were last year. Now, they're still below average in terms of scoring runs, but so much better than last year. Now I'm going to give you the reasons why I, I think there's reason to doubt the Marlins. Okay. First of all, you mentioned the young pitching. It's tremendous. They, But they have more starts and more innings by pitchers 25 and under than anybody else in baseball. And we've already seen them demote Yuri Perez, who's just unbelievable. If you have not seen this kid pitch, you got to check him out. Six foot eight yeah. with, you know, upper 90s velocity and just a killer changeup, two different breaking balls. I mean, he's as good as you will see, and he's only 20 years old. But the problem is... He's already pitched more innings than he did in his previous two pro seasons. So they basically sent him down to double-A, stash him there so he doesn't run up too many innings this year. Um, so we'll see how much he has left in the tank. But, man, when he's on the mound, he's just so much fun to watch. So can their young pitchers survive the grind of the season, the 162 games? That's one question I have. They're also 21-6 and six in one-run games. 21-6. and six. I'm here to tell you there's no way that's holding up. That is unsustainable. No team has ever won games at that clip, one-run games. Yeah. So they'll come back a little bit in that regard. Mm-hmm. And the schedule, I, I guess I'll give them credit for this, Joe, but against last-place teams, Washington, Oakland, Kansas City, St. Louis, Colorado, Boston, Miami is 19-4. and four. They're 19-4 and four against last-place teams, losing record against every anybody who's not in last place. Now, you can look at this two different ways. And um, the optimist would say, you know what? They're winning the games they're supposed to win. And winning a lot of these close games, and, and you've seen this if you watch the Marlins play, gives teams a tremendous amount of confidence. I mean, they, they feel like they're going to win these games if it's close. And their pitching keeps them close. So maybe it's just that kind of year, Joe. I don't know if you ever felt this with a group, but um, I, I do believe, and it's hard to quantify this, obviously, that there's a vibe with the Marlins here that they believe, and I think you make a good point for me, if this carries into August, look out. I mean, they're bound to hit a dip here. I, don't get me wrong, even the good teams, the great teams go through a dip. You know that. Uh, but if they if they hit August here and they're still in playoff position, watch out. You said two things though, that I've already written down. Um, they're winning the games they're supposed to win, and you can't denigrate them for that. I mean, I've been on good teams that play poorly against – the worst teams, and a lot of times that puts you in trouble, gets you in trouble. So they're winning the games they're supposed to, and while they're doing that, you are gaining confidence. So eventually at some point, uh, and again, I'm curious because um, with I guess they're all pretty healthy right now. I'm, I'm, I'm saying they're going to start beating better teams based on where they're at in the season. They look at their record. Uh, they got to do it, of course, and they got to create this pattern of success. And if they do that a little bit, heads up, because once they start developing that confidence – 
uh, things can get on a pretty good roll for them. I've, I've seen it. So um, it's going to be interesting to watch. I think August 1, right around then, is really going to be a kind of a litmus mark for where they're at and where, where they have a chance to go. Uh, but they, they play it. They, I watch them and there's an energy about them and there's an athleticism about them. And that's, that's a really big part of what's going on in the game today. Athletically, they could put a lot of pressure on another team too. So if you're not just pounding the ball and scoring runs that way, take advantage of all your resources and turn people loose. And like I've even said it uh, to other people, uh, don't be afraid of making mistakes a little bit. Um, that, that aggressive nature being bold, uh, they're not going to grab the brass wing if they're ring if they're going to be conservative through the rest of the season. So uh, let your athletes play. Don't be worried about making mistakes. And if we make mistakes, uh, to sit down and correct them, talk about them, try to make a better decision next time. But if they're just turned loose and let go, it's, there's no telling what they can do. Yeah, they're sitting here with the odds of making the postseason at 75%. That, that's really strong. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, the, the amount of wins they've built up, 14 games over 500, bodes well. I think their playoff possibility might come down to a team like the San Diego Padres. Mm-hmm. You know, if the Mets, the Padres, or the Giants really get their act together in the second half, and I'm talking about obviously, the, especially the Mets and the Padres, they need some serious runs to put together. That probably has more to do with whether the Marlins are a playoff team or not. Right now, I got to have them in, Joe. Yeah. I, I mean, they've banked so many wins at this point. And I, as much as I like San Diego's talent, they have not shown me that they should engender the kind of confidence <laughs> that the Marlins have shown so far. So talent-wise, yeah, I would take the Padres roster. But right now, mm-hmm. I'd take the Marlins playoff position. Yeah, and their vibe. I mean, the way they're playing together. Now, uh, it must have been my experience. The one t- when, you, when, you, when you're having a hard time getting over 500 and staying over 500, you got to really push to get there. It's almost like watching the old NBA First half, guys just played third quarter. Here came the fourth quarter. You got to push, push, push. And if a group had grabbed a big lead, you might get back to them. But eventually, in in the end, you just run out of gas. And that would be my concern with the Mets and the Padres. You really got to put your the pedal to the metal, but you got to do it in a way, man. You just, man, you you keep going, you keep going, you finally get back there, and then wow, it's 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 difficult to sustain that. It and uh, the one year with the Rays, I've talked to you about this one. We were eighteen games under five hundred. I think it was like 22 and 40 or something like that. We eventually got back to 500, like in the low, like 64 and 64, whatever, something like that. But then you ran out of gas, man. It's not easy to do that mentally and physically every day, especially in the latter part of the season. So even while you're doing this or trying to do this, I still think it's important to be aware of, of resting people on occasion because if you eventually you know, burn that candle too hotly, not just brightly, but hotly, eventually it goes away. And, um, so that would be my concern with those two teams that they have not played well enough now to this point to think you're just going to flip this baseball switch and all of a sudden play like, I don't know, 25 games over 500 the rest of the year. That's not easy, brother. Well, I'll say this about the Marlins too, Joe, that um, I think Kim Ng and that t- front office there, they need to make a deal here. Sure. You know, it's not people, the fans and even the players in the clubhouse, they're not used to the Marlins adding, but these opportunities are golden, mm-hmm. right? And no matter what you plan for the 2023 season, you're sitting in playoff position. You have to take advantage of that. We mentioned the young pitching. I would like to see them add a veteran arm in that rotation, maybe even add a little bit of help for A.J. Puck at the back of the bullpen. Whatever it is, I, I think that team needs to establish and send a message. And besides that, more importantly, give some uh, veteran innings here to add to this rotation. Um to go out and make a deal at the deadline here. I know that's part of today's game. 
you know, I, I've seen teams that have not really added on and they feel like they're losing ground. So it's almost expected by today's players and as fans to add on if you get to this point. Agreed. I mean, it, it does something to the clubhouse. Um, it definitely creates a stir. Um, there's a believability among the group in the, in the, in the clubhouse that really the, the front office is paying attention to us. They really care about us and they're trying to make these specific moves. Whether anybody agrees with that or not, it's just true. That's, that's the vibe that occurs. Last point, the young pitcher's name for the Marlins, once again, his name is, I'm sorry. Iori Perez. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, 20 years old, right? I mean, and I, I don't know. Yeah, we're always worried about guys getting hurt. And I know he hasn't pitched that much, but I know that Doc Gooden was that age. I know Jimmy Palmer was that age. I know it's a different era. I get it. But we're always worried about guys getting hurt, and they get hurt anyway. Strasburg being kept out that one year. Eventually, they got their World Series, but... I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I have a hard time with that. I don't know the kid. I don't know nothing about him. I didn't see him pitch. I don't know anything. But um, if he's that good, and, I, and I've heard that, and I know you're talking about, uh, I, uh, at some point, uh, I don't even know, are they, are they talking about bringing him back, or are they kind of shutting him down for the year? What's, what's the, the game plan with that? Yeah, I think he's coming back, Joe. I, I think they, they built this in for the season, no matter where they were in the standings, that you know you weren't going to run the kid out there 30 times and run up 200 innings. Nobody's going to do that. Um, so give him a breather in the middle of the season. I think it's a smart thing. Um, give him an extra day of rest when you have it down the stretch. But I, I'm with you. I, I've watched this kid pitch. It's a very athletic, clean delivery. He's not a max effort guy. Yes, he's young, but you know, don't treat everybody the same. <laughs> Uh, if, if he starts to show some real fatigue, sure, that's different. Yeah. Then you may have to shut him down. But without signs of fatigue here, I like being proactive. Again, you need to. You can't run him out there 32 times. I get that. Um, but I want this guy in my rotation if I'm the Marlins in, in the last, certainly the last month of the season, say the last eight weeks, seven, eight weeks. So I think they're doing the right thing. Back off a little bit here. You know, Keep sharp in the minor leagues by limiting some pitch counts there. And then let him run once he comes back um, again, maybe the last seven, eight weeks. So the thing that my concern would be also the fact of layoff, is he going to be as sharp? Is how long is it going to take him to get back up and running? I know they probably did not expect themselves to be in this position. So for me, the better way would have been to hold him out in the beginning of the year and just let him run towards the end. But I'm certain that that was not part of their uh, overarching plan in the beginning. They didn't see all this happening. Um and even 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 if uh, he is there now, just say, and he's part of the rotation, just skip him once in a while. Um, you know, there, there's there's different ways to do this. I mean, when you just shut somebody down and expect the same kind of results when he comes back, listen, I hope he does. Don't know him. I, I love everything I'm hearing. But these are the kind of concerns I would have if I was sitting in that room because the assumption is just by resting him, it's going to be all good. And, uh, and I'm – I've already talked about, I'm an advocate of rest, but when you turn long-term rest, almost like an injury and bringing somebody back, you're not hundred percent certain what it's going to look like. So I get it in a sense, but I also think there's other ways to do this. And I'm, I, I am not as uh, concerned with injury uh, prevention in this regard, in this way, I think there's other ways to do it. I'm not in charge. It's not my money, but I, I, I think they have a shot. And, and if this guy's going to make that kind of difference, I'd get him back sooner rather than later and then try to figure it out in season. Okay, team number three in our four teams turning it around from losing records to a postseason position this year, the Arizona Diamondbacks. You talk about adding pitching. When I look at the D-backs, Joe, uh, you know, they're 22nd in starters ERA. They're great at the front of the rotation. They've got Zach Gallen, 
and Merrill Kelly. And actually, Tommy Henry, lefty out of the University of Michigan, has done a nice job. Those three starters are 25 and 8 for the D backs. But when you get to the four and five spots, six and 17. So the D backs, two and a half games up in a wild card berth of the break. Um, listen, I love watching this team play, Joe. I mean, you watch <laughs> the D backs play, it's like the old Milrose games, like running on the, the boards at Madison Square Garden. They run, they run. And they run. They pressure you throughout. And on defense, they're so athletic. They cover so much ground. So they're a fun team to watch. I like their style of play. By the way, the rules have really brought back that style of play more than we've seen in a long time, which is really cool. Um, But I do think with a bullpen that's been used a lot, uh, that the D-backs could use some help here in the rotation more than anything else. Well, yeah, absolutely. sounds that way. And, um, well, it's... I know there's going to be some guys available, and I who knows because the guys that are available, obviously there's going to be a lot of bidding uh, among the other teams that feel like they're in contention too. Uh, but, uh, yes, I love the style of play, no question. It is the style of play that I've always embraced. From the time I began doing this as a coach in 1981 up until present times, I really believe that's the way to play baseball. Uh, you, want, you want it all. I wanted it all. I wanted power. I wanted speed. I wanted guys to not strike out. I wanted guys to accept their walks. I wanted action on the bases. I want to put pressure on the defense. I want pitchers. Uh, you you got to have some guys that can miss bats in the strike zone. I st- still want the, uh, the downshift. you got the guy that puts the ball on the ground. I like an experienced bullpen primarily um, if, and, and, and sprinkle with maybe a couple really strong arms. There's all these different things that you like, I like. And uh, at, the end of the, at the end of the season, when you, I think you get that kind of a method of play. Com- and, again, it's always about pitching and defense, I think. But when you combine that really assertive method of play, I promise you, man, when you t- when you show up in town or, or you, you you go to somebody's hometown or they come to you and they have that pre-series meeting, man, it is it is uh, there. There's so many things to discuss and it confuses. I talked about Brian Brian Butterfield had him as a coach. He talked to me about when he's with Toronto and the and the and the race came to town and what we did and the prep for it and how that really bothered them. It's true. When I worked as the, I was pretty much the defensive guy with the Angels for many years. And, you know, during the Moneyball era, prepping for them was the easiest thing in the world to do. They didn't do anything. So, I mean, if it wasn't for their three starting pitchers or their pitching in general, that Moneyball moniker would mean nothing because the accepting of walks, whatever high on base percentage stuff, they had a pitch like they did. But to prep against that team from a defensive perspective was very easy. So, and when you had to play against somebody that gave you a lot to think about, it really does split concentration and it works in your favor. So that's what they're doing. They're splitting concentration. It's working in their favor, and I love it. Yeah. I, I was laughing when you mentioned the uh, the Moneyball A's back in the day. I remember talking to an infielder who said it was easy to play them. Their third base coach never even gave signs. Right. So as an infielder, you never worried about – you know, the runner starting from first base and the D-backs complete opposite. Listen, I just got to tell you this. I mean, because Ronnie Washington was a third base coach and I would watch every sign every third base coach did every day, every game. And I used to be able to pick it up sometimes. And I'm here to tell you, I watched him for a year and a half until he finally put a hit and run sign on. And I'm I'm telling you, he never touched his left chest first ever until that one moment. (laughs) I have to confirm that with him. Yeah, well, you're on your toes when you play the Diamondbacks. And, you know, I mentioned pitching, and 
I think the Cubs are going to put Marcus Stroman on the market. Mm-hmm. It's not to say they're giving up on the season, but he has an opt-out at the end of the year. You have to put him out there, at least see in this market, which is a seller's market, uh, what you might get in return. It doesn't, again, mean you're you're punting the season. You're trying to get better and stay in the race. Um, a guy like Stroman, uh, Jack Flaherty starting to throw the ball well yeah. for the Cardinals. He's in play. Uh, you want Jordan Montgomery. Uh, I would maybe go with Flaherty over Montgomery, but either way, either one of those guys, those are the kind of guys I'm talking about for Arizona, Joe guys mm-hmm. who can, you know, you know, they'll, they'll give you innings. They'll keep you in ball games. They'll solidify that rotation. Uh, Gallon is just so good. I mean, he, he's going to win the Cy Young award. You saw him at the all-star game, get the start, his first all-star game. He, he starts the game. Merrill Kelly's just been terrific. So you give me one more starter there, and, and yeah, I've got Arizona in the postseason. Yeah, I, Flaherty, I'm telling you what, a couple of years ago, I thought this guy was like it. I mean, he's great athlete. He used to, when the hitters, uh, pitchers hit, he'd get on base and steal bases. This guy was that good of an athlete. Game would begin, I mean, after you watched the first, uh, I don't know, 10 pitches, you knew we're, you were going to be in trouble that day. He was that. He is that good. He was that good. I know he went away. I saw some of the recent outings. It still looked like, his arm stroke, his command isn't completely where it needs to be. I like Montgomery. I like Jordan Montgomery. I like the way he pitches. And in that division, I'd have to really analyze the left-handed, left-handedness of that division and, and how it works, although he's able to get out righties too with some of the stuff that he does. But I really like Stroman right now. I've been watching him. Um, I've never saw him good in person, but I'm seeing him really good on TV. And in a place like uh, Arizona where he can put the ball on the ground, that could be very useful also. So – I'd have to rank him. I'd, I'd go with Stroman first, personally, from what I've seen and what I know. Um, I like Flaherty, but I'd, I would need a, I would really follow him closely between now and, and the time um, the trade deadline uh, is uh, exhausted. And then Montgomery, I'm a fan. I like him. Arizona Diamondbacks have a 67% chance of reaching the postseason. So they're in a good position here, whether the Dodgers catch them or not to win the division. I I like Arizona in the postseason. We've got one more team to talk about, and their percentage actually is below 50%. The Cincinnati Reds, 43%. Should that be higher? We'll talk about them when we get back. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Juan Gabriel, Juan Gis, Selena, Selena, Celia Cruz, Azúcar, Carol G, La Bichota, Christina Aguilera, Extina, just to name a few. We're serving the whole story from rags to riches and all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez and I'm Joseph Carrillo and we're the host of Becoming an Icon season two. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph! 
Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Toro Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Cincinnati Reds, you talk about fun teams to watch, Joe. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it starts with Ellie De La Cruz. He's just a fascinating player. First of all, the, the Reds, since he was called up are 22 and eight. And, and I think it's not only because he is so special, but he's lifted this team with the energy, the way he plays the game. He's six foot five. He's the fastest player in baseball. He can play the middle of the infield. There literally has never been a player like De La Cruz. I'm talking about at that height, at that speed with middle infield skills, his first 30 games, he had more stolen bases and total bases than Anybody in the history of the game. I mean, so when I, I mentioned the charts have the, the Reds at 43%, I think a lot of that, Joe, is based on the way they started the season and the entirety of the first half, but they're a different team in their last 30 games with De La Cruz. Well, is that based on the fact that they feel they have to win the division in order to get there? It does look that way, I would say, uh, but I like their odds. I mean, they're also a team against winning teams. They're 21 and 23, which is not terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want to look for the downside in the Reds and why their number might not be higher in, in terms of postseason percentage, their starters are 28th in the major leagues. They're 20 and 26 with a 5-6-9, and they've thrown the seventh fewest innings in baseball. So I, I think, can you hit your way? And in that ballpark with their offense, they got plenty of offense. Can you hit your way to the postseason and win what is, let's face it, a fairly weak division? Yeah, that's legit what you just talked about. Uh, it's not easy to hit your way to the division, but that ballpark is the ballpark you want to hit in. Uh, Great American ballpark, the ball flies there. It's almost like playing in uh, Colorado, the way the ball leaves that ballpark. It's small in the right, right field side. Uh, you got to tonk it a little bit to left central and center field, but it'll go down both lines, especially the right field side. Um, I've always, uh, I've always talking about pitching a defense, and um, you know I, I think their defense is okay. Um, their pitching, I, I didn't realize was was uh, that difficult right now, but I'm telling you, man, uh, every day that team shows up at the ballpark, um, man, it's the, there is an electricity about them. Um, they've deserved it. They've earned it. Um, I, I've heard uh, De La Cruz speak. I like the way he talks. He's a, he's a, he's, he's very uh, confident, but yet humble at the same time. 
and the other kids on the team are too. Um, I, I, I like the way David's handling the whole situation from my perspective. Um, I don't know what's on the horizon. You talk about acquisitions and getting some of the pitchers. I mean, if they're going to get a Stroman or, or some of those other dudes there, that could alter the perspective quickly. I just like them. Um, I haven't seen as much of the Diamondbacks that you've described. I've seen these guys more often. I'm going to definitely start watching the D-backs more. Uh, but I love watching this group. This is a tough group to prepare against. They're never out of the game. They don't quit. They play nine innings hard every night. Uh, and there's a lot to be said for that. Um, they There's a believability about them among themselves. Again, uh, let's see what happens the couple, next couple of weeks going into August where they land. But they're the group, if they make a couple of pitching decisions, heads up. because And their bullpen, their, their closer is pretty good. So I like them. I do like them. And I agree with you. I think that that percentage is probably based on two things early in the season. And I didn't realize their pit starting pitching was ranked that poorly. They're going to have to do something about that. Well, they are counting on getting Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo back into the rotation. That certainly will help. Mm-hmm. Again, those two guys also young. We'll see yep. if they want to add a veteran arm. They probably still should, mm-hmm. but getting Green and Lodolo, Lodolo back in the in the rotation certainly will help. Their bullpen is 30 and 15. Wow. Tied for the most wins in baseball. It tells well, you how yep. good their offense is. Right. Just stick around in a game, and that offense in that ballpark, McLean and Steer and Friedel, they're going to find a way to score runs. And Joey Votto has been amazing. His OPS is over 1,000. Joe, he reminds me of David Ortiz late in David's career, where maybe he's not going to be hitting well over 300 anymore, but Joey knows hitting so well and what pitchers are doing with him. He's picking out pitches to just hammer, and he's become a slugger. I don't think I've ever seen a hitter quite like Joey Votto, who almost decides the kind of hitter he wants to be, whether he wants to be high on base percentage, high average, or in this case, I think he's becoming a more dangerous slugger. So add him to that mix, and my goodness, I I do think – Listen, the season, that division comes down to, for me, Milwaukee or Cincinnati. It Man, that is a coin flip right now. It's hard to go against the Reds with the, the just the momentum they have. You're right. He's He is a smart hitter. You've seen him choke up. You've seen him put the ball in play with two strikes. You see him foul off pitches and really frustrate pitchers. And then you see him hit the ball really far. He, I, th- I agree. I think he's pretty determined based on what's going on, how he feels that day, how he sees that particular pitcher. He's definitely he's that smart, and he slows the game down to that point. So him, uh, and I also I just think this is like something new for him, being involved in a pennant race like this, and it's really legitimately possible. Uh, so I think you're going to see the best version of him right now. Um, he's animated. He's vocal. I think he takes a lot, of heat, a lot of heat off the rest of those younger players. He kind of acts, if there's a, if there's a need for a lightning rod, he's going to be that, no problem. So uh, he serves a lot of useful purposes for them. Joe, it sounds like we like these four teams, the Rangers, the Marlins, the D-backs, and the Reds, to all be in the postseason party. Mm -hmm. We've got another contender, though. The Minnesota Twins, they're not in playoff position right now, but they're only a half game behind the Guardians in the AL Central. This is a team that lost 94 games last year. I'm telling you, I like the Twins to win the division. That was my pick before the year started. Uh, I know... Terry Francona does an amazing job with Cleveland. They always play well down the stretch, and that's going to be a dogfight. But Minnesota has some of the best starting pitching in the major leagues. Only Tampa Bay, I think, has a better ERA. And that's why, as much as I don't like their offense, way too much swing and miss. 
I love their starting pitching, and I think Minnesota could make it five turnaround teams out of the 12 postseason teams. Well, I like them in the beginning also for the reasons you just mentioned. I really like their pitching. Um, and that's the kind of group that really could all of a sudden click things, and um, they have a lot of talent. So all of a sudden, uh, maybe the swing and miss might turn into something a little bit more consistent. Uh, there, they'd be definitely somebody you got to watch very closely right now. Uh, just going back in time, that 2008 Rays, we were we you realized we lost seven in a row prior to the All Star break. Seven, we had a nice lead going on. We lose seven in a row, and then you got like a seven day, then you got a four day All Star break. It's like eleven days before you get back out and play. And we have to play. I believe it was Toronto at the Trop, and you got Roy Holiday. Uh, they had a couple really good starting pitchers, and I remember Zoe beat. Um, uh, I can't remember the, the particular pitcher, but on a, a home run, two to one, three to two, late down the right field line, and then all of a sudden we took off. We just took off. So seven in a row, we lost seven in a row twice that year with the Rays, and eventually went to the World Series. So uh, these are the kind of things you you could just just that lightning in the bottle moment. All of a sudden, everybody starts believing, and then guys that might have been swinging and missing, I would bet. I don't know this, but I would bet because I don't know the Twins that well. You're going to start seeing a little bit more poking, two-strike pokes, right field side, move the baseball. Let's go, guys. Let's tone it down a bit. Let's downshift. I would have to believe that's going to be part of their message going into the second half and something they may work on. Early in the count, let's go. Like, go ahead. Go ahead. Full throttle. Let's see what we can do. Go, go for the seats if that's our philosophy. But we need to be more contact-oriented later in the count, especially with runners in scoring position. Because we just need it. You saw in the first half it does wasn't working. We need to do this. And that's something you can't emphasize. And and if they're major league hitters, which they supposedly are, you can make those kind of adjustments. You got to back up a second, Joe. You dropped that <laughs> meeting on us here, the one with the Rays. Uh-huh. <laughs> you got. <laughs> I love the story because you refused to have that in the home clubhouse, right? Right, right, right. You had him exactly. on the outfield? No, it was, in, a, it was in, the, in Kansas City in the clubhouse. No, not the one where you aired him out. When you mentioned the team oh. had lost seven in a row, and you did a oh. little history lesson about uh, teams that got to the postseason with losing streaks. Yes, yes. I, I didn't air him out. No, what I did at that time. No, but go ahead. You, you didn't want to do – like you normally don't want to have a meeting in your home clubhouse, okay, right, correct? Right, right, exactly. I don't. I hate him. And this was your midseason gathering. Correct. Right, right, right. Exactly. And what was the history lesson you gave them? Well, that was that, uh, well, the Baltimore Orioles had uh, lost uh, seven in a row twice. Was it 84 that they won the World Series? When did the Orioles win the World Series? Uh, 82. 82, okay. I'm pretty sure that they had two seven-game losing streaks during the course of that season. Andy Freed, who was an Oriole fan, who's an announcer for the uh, Rays, had told me about that, so I looked it up. I'm pretty certain that's accurate. But I I did. That's when I had one of my meetings – and uh, I remember just going into that because I was going to Naples, Florida for my break. And uh, just um, uh, specifically, I, I think it wasn't that when Andrew bought us all uh, robes with our numbers and names on it as a part of some kind of a, uh, incentive thing. Um, I can't remember specifically the meeting, but I do remember that I did research it. I'm pretty sure there was Orioles. Uh, we resembled Baltimore a bit in the seven game losing streaks in the same World Series season, so I went with that. But other than that, I remember specifically any of the meetings. Boy, nothing says. Did I say something in a book? Uh, No, I just remembered you had (laughs) that meeting, and and, um, you don't like having meetings in the home clubhouse. Um, I don't. So you got them on the field. But 
there's nothing that says motivation quite like your own terry cloth robe right well what is it about robes man david price when he got to toronto was a big hit with his teammates he got them all monogrammed and and individualized robes something about robes i don't know that that came from the rays i mean that's what david was there we were we were like going well and i don't remember what it was but shieldsy uh james got together with andrew and they came up with an idea that incentivize us by doing something and if we did we would get they're really cool actually they're blue uh raised blue with the raised uh um tackle twill on the front with your number on the back with your name so that was the incentive we were incentivized by path robes um <laughs> in, in the 2008 season again i can't remember the specifics if you talk, we could talk to Shieldsy. Shieldsy would remember pretty well you want to scare people nothing scares people like going outside with your robe Right. Well, yeah. Uh, like, what is going on? Yeah, I could go back to Lafayette with that one. I'm not going to go there, though. <laughs> Happened. By the way, I, the Orioles won in 83. I got okay. my uh, 80s decade mixed up there. I said 82, 1983. Okay. So, uh, yeah, interesting year. The uh, You have teams like the Astros, the Yankees, the Padres, the Mets, the Dodgers, in, in sort of a way, all kind of scrambling to try to get a playoff spot all of them out of playoff position right now. Um, I never bet against pedigree, Joe, um, but those blue blood teams, they always find a way, never rule them out, but Mm -hmm. it's it's so much fun to be watching these breakthrough teams this year. We might get five teams in the postseason party that had losing records last year. Well, I've been part of two really uh, crazy comebacks. Uh, The bad one was in 95 with the uh, angels when the Mariners acquired Vince Coleman in the beginning part of August, I think we were like 13 games up and they get Coleman. And by the end of the season, we have to have a one game playoff that we lose in Seattle. So that, that was uh, really awful. But the good one was, um, it was a 2012, 11 or 12, when we were down by nine on September one for the wild card spot that culminated in the best night in baseball ever, where we beat, the Yankees and the Red Sox lost to Baltimore and Baltimore. So we're down nine for a, for a playoff spot. I believe it's nine. I think that's accurate. It might've been eight and a half. I think it was nine that we made up that ground in September to beat the Red Sox to get to the playoffs. So I know when I hear all these different things and the percentages, I understand that. And if you had a bet, you would bet according to those percentages, but in real life, things happen. Uh, Crazy stuff happens. People get hot, people get cold. So it's always interesting to watch, but the teams we talked about obviously have uh, have it going on right now. You talk about the Mets and the Padres. That's going to take quite a shift um, within those groups in order to play at that level for that long and not burn themselves out. And finally, in speaking about turnaround teams, do you know that the Eagles have another final tour, Joe? Didn't they have, already have like two or three final tours, the Eagles? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Elton John had several. He just finally <laughs> shut her down. Uh, why not, man? I mean, the, the, the stones are still rolling it. I'm, I'm good with the, uh, if they keep, I'm still waiting for Zeppelin somehow to get back together. I mean, I will definitely, uh, do whatever I possibly could or can to attend something like that. I missed out on Pavarotti. I don't want to miss out on Zeppelin if I get that chance, but God bless the Eagles for doing it. I love it. Uh, so much good music from the yeah. Eagles. Yeah. And I, I just didn't realize this until I looked it up. Um, Linda Ronstadt, what are your faves? She's my favorite. Help bring the Eagles together. But that was a fertile time in Southern California when it came to music, huh? She, she was a Glenn Fry. Like, wasn't there something with those two there yeah. Like, yeah, getting together? Yeah, I'd listen. She's my favorite. She's my favorite. I was just listening to the other day. Never get tired of that voice. It's, just, it's so sad that what had happened to her physically. 
that had her uh, made her shut it down. But there's so many wonderful specials on TV, uh, like documentary kind of things about her with her singing, going back to the Stone Ponies, all this different stuff. Man, she was she was it for me. I mean, I love Lady Gaga today. Uh, Linda came before that. Yeah, well, I don't know if you have anything from Linda to take us out, but I'm I I'm sure you never disappoint. You got something for us, Joe. Well, you know what? I'm going with this is from me. And I was reading through some notes that I had written um, last year, you know, in the off season uh, after I'd been let go, hanging out, we're doing our thing, talking to you a lot, uh, the book experience. But this is something I wrote and I kind of liked it. I saw it this morning. So um, this is not a bang on analytics. It's just something that I think dovetails. For me, experience is the analytical background necessary. Always running in the background allows for or permits the recognition of nuance, the ability to adjust on the fly. That's really what experience is all about. There's a, there's an analytical component to experience that I don't think is discussed enough. And you talk about Boach. Maybe, this, uh, maybe I was thinking about Boach right here. But when you have that experience analytically in a game, you're able to recognize nuance, which then because... You, you can't follow a script necessarily when the game's going on. You absolutely, before the game, you want it to run this way, game happens, things change. So how are you able to rely or recognize something and choose to make a decision that's going to impact this game in a positive way? So for me, experience is kind of like that. It's kind of like the RAM uh, within a computer. It's always running in the background. It's the experience that experiences the necessary analytical background to make uh uh, decisions based on what you're seeing in the course of the game. So I wrote that last year. I like that, Joe. I'm just disappointed you you didn't go all Ricky Henderson on us and say <laughs> Joe Madden says this <laughs> and refer to yourself in the third. Yeah, person. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I've always. I'm so self. But you know what? You reminded me yeah. of something that we should bring up real quickly before we get out talking about experience. How about the Yankees hiring Sean Casey as their yeah. hitting coach? There you go. Right. I mean, it hasn't worked. The Yankees have their lowest on-base percentage since Horace Clark was playing second base for them back in the late <laughs> 60s. Uh, why not? You know, they've got, they were so analytical about their offensive approach. Dropping Sean Casey, and he's one of the most positive people you can ever be around. Good friends with Aaron Boone, the manager. Tim Naring in the front office knows him from those Cincinnati days. He's a great, great hitter, 300 career hitter. More than that, he's just got this infectious personality and vibe. I don't know if he's going to turn around the team entirely, but I do know he will provide a lot of positive, good information. Uh, I agree. I like Case. Uh, he's one of exactly how you just described them. What they need, they don't need new, a new philosophical approach in a sense uh, when it comes to physical mechanics. They need a new mental approach. They need to relax. <laughs> they need to stop beating themselves up after every out, every strikeout, every fail that bat with runners in scoring position. They need to show up to the ballpark and have a blast, have a good time, and look forward to it. Uh, Case is that kind of guy. That, a lot of that stuff is uh, underappreciated and not sought after enough. When you have guys on your staff like that, that uh, on a daily basis create this kind of an atmosphere among the group that you look forward to. You look forward to seeing this guy. You look forward to the conversation. You look forward to the warm fuzzy sometimes. I'm sure Case is going to also be able to relay something maybe not so positive, but he's going to do it in a way that it's not going to beat somebody up. I thought it was really actually a pretty brilliant move based on his personality. If it's uh, they're talking short-term, hopefully it becomes long-term. But he's exactly what they need. They don't need this um, Mr. Goodwrench uh, auto mechanic, you know, tweaking with torque wrenches and stuff. They need somebody to 
to get them to relax a little bit, play the game, adjust during, during an at-bat. Singles are okay. Listen, striking out's not as cool as everybody says it is. Let's move the baseball. Choke up a little bit. Let's hit the ball the other way. He's going to talk about things like that, I believe. And I think that's exactly what they need. Get people in motion. We talked about that. Play the game of baseball, and I think Case will bring that to them. You dropped the Mr. Goodwrench on us. I love that. I haven't heard that in years. <laughs> that, <laughs> Is he still around? By the I way, haven't. I haven't. But I've I, I, I recently acquired a, a space to put all my cards in. I'm going to tell you about this later. But that's my uh, Mr. Goodwrench uh, moment for the day. I'm really, I'm really excited about Ooh, this. That's a great tease for our next episode, and we'll see you next time. Uh, all right, brother. <laughs> right here on the Book of Joe. I can't wait for that, Joe. <laughs> it's pretty cool. You're going to like this. You're going to like this. Awesome. See you guys. Thanks. The Book of Joe podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast... podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.